Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. Through the loss of it, I started to drink heavily because, you know, I was one of those moms that was a football mom. The whole thing, I was a church youth leader. Our house was a house that the friends came over and stuff like that. So it was really devastating to lose them in that way and not have them under my roof. My guest today is named Amy Woods. She is an entrepreneur and coach. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, I'm Amy Woods. Um, I am a sales and business coach, and also I have a piece of my business that I'm also a sales and leadership trainer and a consultant. So, hi, Brett. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you on, Amy. Glad that we were finally able to make this happen. I know my schedule's been pretty hectic with the newborn, and then my wife scheduled a pediatrician appointment, and we've yeah. been trying to get together for what seems like I eternity. think I was sick one time, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then I think one one of the weekends we were in the hospital, and then the last, yeah, it's it's been a mess, but we're finally finally getting to have this conversation and I'm so excited to hear more about your story. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you have uh, a less traditional approach to recovery. So I'm excited to hear more about that, hear more about your story. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Yeah. My, um, you know, my recovery started, um, I either had a choice. It was either live or die. I haven't always been like a partier or a drinker or any of that. I've never done drugs. Um, Grew up in the Midwest. Of course, on the weekends, I would go out and have a few drinks with my friends and stuff like that. But it was never a thing I had to have. And when I had kids, I didn't drink for a good 13, 14 years. And then I went through a really bad divorce. And I ended up, through the divorce, I ended up homeless. And when I was homeless, I got custody papers delivered to me while I was sitting in my car. Well, you're homeless. How do you afford a lawyer to fight custody battles? You know, um, and I knew what was going to happen when I did go through the divorce because the personalities of him and his family were to alienate people from their family or from, you know, their friends. And unless you were exactly doing what they exactly wanted you to do, they made sure that everybody else, you know, just was not a part of your life. So I knew kind of what was going to happen. and. I ended up having, because I didn't want to take my kids down the road of homelessness. I I knew he had a stable home, had a roof to put over their heads. So I let them go back to him and it kept them in their school system and through the sports that they had worked through and stuff like that. But 
through the loss of it, I started to drink heavily because, you know, I was one of those moms that was a football mom. You know, I was on the, I was the team mom. I did the, you know, the whole thing. I was a church youth leader. Um, you know, our house was the house that the friends came over and stuff like that. So it was really devastating to lose them in that way and not have them under my roof and not be able to see them. And eventually they were alienated from me and started, you know, to believe bad things about me and to deal with the loss of it. I started drinking very heavily. Um, I didn't know how to cope with it. I met my now husband also in the middle of all this and he was going through something too. So we were kind of like fueling our fires together. He had lost his wife of 38 years, you know, right before we met. So he was drinking a lot and we kind of, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. At that point, we were really not good for each other, but at the same time, we're what pulled each other out. We ended up being able to drink a half a gallon of whiskey every day. I had lost over 50 pounds. I, was, I wasn't eating. I was having seizures. And then I ended up, I, and I don't remember this part, but I ended up, he had left for the afternoon and he come home and found me with a gun loaded in, in my mouth and he tackled me and I woke up three days later in the hospital. And at that point I was sitting there in the hospital. I'm like, what am I doing? What is, what is going on with me? And it's like, you have a choice here. You're either going to continue killing yourself or you're going to choose something different. And being that my mom has a background in Al-Anon. I knew kind of the sobriety picture and stuff like that and the road to, you know, use an AA and stuff. And I tried that, but for me, it kept putting me back into it. It kept putting me back into the trauma. It kept putting me back into wanting to go to the bar and talking about all of that in that space. I didn't want that. I just wanted to know what do I do to move forward? So I chose something different and I said, okay, if I'm going to stay sober, and this was a three-time try, I did end up going back drinking and it took me three tries to totally get off of it, but it was within a year. And that last try, I was like, I've got to find something to do for myself, something that's going to change my life, something that is different than the path I've led, you know, up to that point. And I chose to just start enroll myself in college. No clue how I was going to pay for it because I'm a drunk. You, you don't work when you're that big of a drunk, you know, you don't have money. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> but I chose to enroll myself in school. I did really good in school. I was a 3.9 grade point average. I was, you know, on the presidential's list five times. I earned seven lead, advanced leadership certifications. And then I got an opportunity to help a, a startup company a nonprofit with the disabled and stuff. And I kept really, really busy, almost in a addictive way, kind of. And I burnt myself out. So I'm like, okay, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still occupying my mind so much that I'm not dealing with everything. And the truth is, is coming out of the college aspect, COVID hit. And I was still sober at this point. I hadn't drank, but I was still those addictive behaviors of you've got to work 80 hours. You know, you got to keep busy. You got to keep your hands busy. You got to do this or do that. I couldn't relax. And I was having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And 
I started my business at the start of grad at the beginning of graduation and at the start of COVID because internships were gone. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, the thought of even going back to work because between the alcohol phase and the school phase, I hadn't been in a workplace in four years. And with my anxiety and stuff, it terrified me. So I was just like, I'm just going to start my own company. Well, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to at first. So I, I just jumped in, hired a business coach, spent $5,000. It left me with like 50 bucks in my account. Um, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but through a client attraction program, I did a lot of mindset work, a lot of mindset work. And then I started getting, you know, some clients and then I invested in a really higher level mindset program. And it just, it's totally transformed my life. And for me, I know a lot of people like with AA and stuff, they have sponsors and stuff when they have those cravings and they're having a hard time. For me, what's kept me away from it is actually going to buy a little box of wine and drinking a glass of wine. And that happens like once a year for me. And I don't want it past that. But I know for me, it was all about choices and to keep choosing something different, keep choosing a different life and not choose to go back to how that was. But that's pretty much my story in a nutshell. (laughs) I love hearing those different aspects and, and you were talking about in the beginning, you're keeping yourself busy and and I can relate Mm -hmm. to that as well. Like in my early days in recovery, well, still today, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I keep myself busy pretty much all the time. I do too. Um, But, but you mentioned like you got to that point. Was there a moment where you realized that you had to deal with some of that trauma? You had to go back and, and look at some of those things that happened in the past and deal with those uh, and was that with with the coach that you were talking about, or what? What does that period look like for you, where you, you know, had that realization that you're just keeping yourself busy, trying to keep your mind preoccupied, so you don't fall back into those self destructive behaviors? For me, it was I was uh, with the life circumstance at the point at that point because my husband had my then boyfriend now husband hadn't totally sobered up yet either. Mm-hmm. And he decided to try to do it the lone wolf style and do it himself. And he actually went into liver failure and he had what they call alcoholic hepatitis. He had 40 pounds of fluid on him. He's basically drowning. So we got him some help. And during that time, I was also working at an airport and airport hours are 16 hour days and you work nights and mornings and, you know, it's kind of like shift work. Plus, I was going to school full time. Plus, we were in the middle of remodeling his dad's home. Plus, we were in the middle of moving into his dad's home because his dad had um, developed Alzheimer's and he was getting to the point where he couldn't be alone. So I had all this stuff going on. And I finally I just sat down. I remember sitting down in the yard, like right out here. And I was just crying. I couldn't quit crying. And my husband's like, something's got to give. He goes, you're going to kill yourself. And I'm like, what? I go, I guess I'll just stop school. And he said, that's not an option. He goes, that's not the part you're going to stop. He goes, we have money. He goes, quit, quit working. He goes, help me with dad. And he goes, once I get a little bit better, I can pick up those pieces and just quit. But the thing I noticed when I quit is every night when the house is quiet, 
I would replay that whole scenario with my kids over and over in my head every single night. And I just kept beating myself up. And I was just like, I'm so tired of crying all the time. I'm like, there's something not clicking here. What is it? And I just started doing some research on like, you know, complex PTSD and stuff like that from a lot of stress. And that's when I decided when I invested with the coach, I, was, I made sure she had some mindset work. And when you go into, you know, looking into um, complex PTSD and stuff, they talk about like somatic healing, you know, healing your body with the stress levels along with your mind. And I kind of went into that a little bit and started studying that a little bit along with this mindset work. And the coach, I had I had talked to her at length before I signed up with her because she had a pretty rough background too. And she said she based her entire mindset program off of, you know, that trauma-based to be able to bring you out of it and give you those tools to cope with it. Of course, it's not therapy, but to me, therapy just keeps putting you back. It doesn't teach you how to move forward and give you those different tools to move forward. And I've just kept plugging away at it. And I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's been a five-year journey. It's mm -hmm. not been something that happens overnight. It's not something that you say, okay, I'm cured. It takes work. And you just have to keep waking up every day and choosing that work. You know, you have to keep choosing, okay, there's gonna, there's a better life. You know, I'm still living a better life. I'm still happy. I'm still doing what I need to do. And I've noticed now recently, I'm actually able to have those evenings where I do nothing. And I don't panic from not doing nothing. I'm getting to that point now to where I know how to relax finally. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working to, to get to that point. I, I, I feel bad when I don't have something to do. But yeah. what you shared there, I, I, there's so many parallels. I think no matter what someone's path is to recovery, whether it be a recovery program or or a mentor or a coach or something. It sounds like it's all, I, I see some parallels in that you want to find somebody that's been in similar situations that you've been in and kind of understands where you're coming from. And I think that that in and of itself is very helpful. And I've, I found that with, with my own journey and, and 12 step recovery and having a sponsor that has been through similar situations that I've been through and us being able to relate on that level. But then also, you know, the fact that he's, you know, years, ahead of me on this journey and he can say, Oh, you know, I've been there. I've done that. You know, I've, I've been through something similar and having that person in your life to mentor and guide you is, is so crucial because like you were talking about earlier, your husband trying to do the lone wolf thing. Like I've, I tried to do that as well. Like I, I had that idea in the beginning of like, I can just stop on my own and I'll be fine and have mm -hmm. no kind of plan, no structure, no nothing. And I was unsuccessful at that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize the alcohol of the withdrawal is actually the one withdrawal that can kill you. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize that. And when I told him you need to, cause I had to go in the hospital to get off of it myself. And, you know, I told him, I was like, you don't have to do this by yourself. You can have, you know, they give you the stuff to help you through this. And he's like, no, I got it. I got it. it but he, at the same time, he was more worried about his dad. And I was just like, I'll take care of your dad. Don't worry about it. You know, but he felt it was his obligation. And I think he's finally even kind of calmed down as far as thinking he has to fix everything. And that was his big thing. He couldn't fix the things that were wrong with his wife. 
and he couldn't fix his family, you know, because they were all very devastated. And then he couldn't fix me on top of it and all the situations I was going through at the time. And I think he took it so personally, he just didn't know what to do with it. And I, I get that too. I, I feel that pressure as, I don't know if it's being a, being a man or being a husband or a father or what it is, but <laughs> I feel that pressure too. Like I have to try to fix everything. And it, you know, with women, we're like, okay, we got to take care of everybody. And the men want to fix everything. And when you have two of them doing that, oh my gosh, it's like, it's just like a compounded situation. And I'll, I mean, even now, I'm just now starting to unisolate myself, I guess you could call it. And I'm just now able to, you know, start saying, okay, I need things for me to just have and not include him. And he's starting to see that for himself now too. Yeah. That's definitely important to have your own, your own space, your own time. That's kind of what the, not kind of, that is what the podcast is for me. This is like my time to relax and unwind and, you know, take, take a step back from family life and work and all the stresses of life. And I get to sneak off into the guest bedroom and record an episode, you know, on a Saturday. And that's, you know, that's my little, that's my little me time is, is doing the podcast. And I think it's so important. And, you know, we were, we were talking about the fixing and all that. And, and one of the lessons that I've learned here recently is in relationships, especially like with me and my wife, it's so important for when, when she comes to me with something, I've started trying to ask, are you asking for my advice? Are you wanting me to fix this? Or are you just wanting to listen? Are you just wanting to vent and like get this off your Mm -hmm. chest? And I feel like that's made such a big difference instead of thinking that every situation I need to try to fix this, how can I fix it? Here's my advice. You know, here's what you should do. Sometimes she just wants to talk, you know, and and that's okay. Yeah. If she just wants to talk. Like I can, I, I, I need to learn to just shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get that. Cause he still does that a little bit for me. And it's just like, no, stop. I I'm just bouncing ideas mm-hmm. off of you, you know? And I think that's what has helped us in that aspect with my business. Cause he has nothing to do with my business. He's retired and you know, he, he's like, I don't want to work. <laughs> So that's, you know, that's helped that separation a little bit, because if I ask him about it and he's just like, do what you need to do, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's awesome. And I, I would love to hear a little bit more about your business, what your life's like today. I love to give people that opportunity to kind of showcase what life in recovery can look like, you know, some of the blessings or the the beautiful things that can come when we can put down those substances and get out of our own way and, you know, surrender to that addiction because i know and and my story is not like everybody's and i don't have the same i know not everybody wants the same outcome as me but you know just looking at my life in the eight years i've been in recovery and going from you know isolated and depressed and suicidal to now you know husband father employee like being able to do some of these things you know kind of a cliche life i guess so to speak of like the white picket fence and family and all that but you know that's what i wanted and and i didn't even know at the time that that's what i did want but you know what does your life look like today and what are some of those successes and and what is and i'd love to hear more about the business as well i mean i'm pretty simple um as far as life goes i do know the more that i go the more now my kids aren't talking to me yet but they're they're really strange when they get away from that those family members like they'll kind of 
reach out a little bit. They finally have unblocked me. Um, so it's coming, you know, I feel that starting to come. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kids watch, you know, they do pay attention and they see what you're doing. So I'd never drank around them. So it's not like they saw that, but they knew what was going on. So as they see me get my life together, they're, they're getting to that point of making a choice. Okay. It's time to reach back out to mom because I've had to leave that responsibility on them. They're 22 and 24. So it's not like you can take somebody to court to make them talk to you. So that responsibility has kind of been left on them to, you know, figure that out in their minds a little bit. But I also know now once they do reach out, I'm prepared for it. You know, I'm not in that headspace of devastation and they don't see their mom being devastated anymore. So that's a really good plus um, sign. And, you know, life's, I'm, I'm very simple. Um, we go camping a lot and, you know, we love listening to music. And it's kind of funny because when we do go out, it, for us, it doesn't bother us so much to be around other people who are drinking. But it's just the whole aspect that we love music. And we have to have something in our hand, you know, so we'll, we'll drink like 12 lemonades. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end up with like stomach ulcers listening to music, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you get used to it. I ain't saying, you know, right out of, you know, stopping drinking, you should do that. Because it's so easy to just fall back into the society norms of, hey, this is social. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. And people who have a problem can't do that. You know, when I was ta- telling you about how I have a, you know, a glass or two, like once a year, just to kind of take that edge off of wanting something, you know, it's here at home. I don't do it socially because I think if I did it social, actually, I know it's not think. I know my personality. If I did it socially, it wouldn't stop at that one or two drinks. And that's my biggest problem. I don't stop at one or two drinks. Mm-hmm. I got to have the whole bottle and then I have to have three shots and then I have to have a case of beer. And now I feel good, you know? <laughs> so I don't do it socially. I make sure, you know, it's just for that point And then I move on, you know, I w- wake up. I mean, we take trips all the time. We go camping all the time. We're able to wake up on a Saturday and Sunday morning and go hiking we're able to, I mean, I'm an, I'm an adult modern dance, so I'm able to do those things. I run, I lift weights, you know, I do all those things that I've never been able to do before. And I think, you know, just discovering myself at this point in my life has been just like the biggest thing for me, being able to try different things and, you know, find out what I like. I paint, I do photography and you can have like 12 different hobbies for what the bar used to be. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a really big turnaround for me. And that's really what's helped me. I'm not saying I do this all the time. You know, I I've learned to relax a little bit. I like sitting on my porch. I have a tree set up for birds and squirrels that come up on our porch asking for peanuts. So, I mean, we're real simple. We take beach trips a lot, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's me having my own business has really helped with being able to do that because I can work from anywhere. And, you know, I'm beings of business and um, sales and leadership coach. It just, 
it really helps empower people because with my business, you can't do sales if you don't feel confident and you don't feel sure about yourself and you don't feel empowered in your life. You kind of, you know, hide behind that. No, instead of fully understanding why somebody's telling you no. So that's kind of what my life looks like. <laughs> mm -hmm. It sounds very peaceful and serene and it is. <laughs> and, and like you were talking about with, with the kids and, I, I know from my experience that, that it can be difficult and it takes time with family to, to get past some of those traumas and to, to get to that place of forgiveness. But I know if you continue to do your part and continue to do the right thing and continue to show up and, and improve your life and, and move in that positive direction that, like you said, your kids are going to see that they notice, they know what's going on. And when they get to that place where they're ready, I know that they're going to reach out and you guys are going to be able to start mending those relationships, but it, I know it could be so difficult and yeah, it's, it's, it's just hard, man. Family, family is so hard. It's, it's beautiful and it's, oh, it's, it's just, I don't even know how to put it into words, but I know the people that are listening know exactly it's what I mean. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so important and it, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough though. I'm, I'm sorry that you're in that situation, but I know that they're going to eventually get to that place where they're going to be ready to, to, have that conversation with you and start rebuilding that relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, with my mom, I have boundaries in place and I'm okay with those boundaries. But when it comes to my kids, it's like you get to that point where you just want to pull them back, whatever it is that they, you know, you just want to grab them and pull them back. But at the same time, you have to have those boundaries up too. Cause mm -hmm. there, there was a couple of times my youngest had reached out, but it was just to get money. And then he quit talking to me again. So, you know, I still have to have those boundaries in place, which of course, you know, I would always give my kids money. It's not that it's just, okay, you're not, if you want money, you're going to start being a part of my life. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of a tough situation because it's like, I haven't talked to him in five years. If I don't give it to him, he's not going to talk to me. And if I do give it to him, he's going to run anyway. So I protect myself a little bit there and keep those boundaries up. But you know, once they genuinely want to come back, of course, those boundaries will come down a little bit. Absolutely. And and I think it is, yeah. it is so important to set those boundaries and not just be a doormat. And, and you, you mentioned earlier that you had some experience with your mom being an Al-Anon and kind of knowing some of those principles and things. And I think that's another important thing that, that we can do as well as educate ourselves on, on just, I think education is important in general, you know, self-help or, Al-Anon or whatever, whatever aspect it may be, you know, then that's one of the beautiful things in life and, and in recovery and hobbies. And I just love to learn new things. I love to read books. I love to, you know, just find out new things and, and apply that knowledge and, you know, see what changes in my life. And I, I just love doing that. And, uh, such a cool thing to be able to do, you know, and, and to be able to practice those things. Um, but we're getting kind of towards the end of the time. So I would love if you would, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners, if they're interested in your coaching services or anything like that, where they can find you, whether that be social media or website or, you know, however, however you usually communicate with, with potential clients. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, my coaching business, um, actually I'm launched, I've, I've been doing it live uh, through a live program oh, nice. and I'm actually just launching my online course. So there's two options. You can have it for 90 days without my personalized coaching, or you can enter in, into it for a year. 
um, you know, with group coaching every week. So that's really good. It start we start off with really digging deep into your fears and into what kind of legacy you're wanting to create, something that's new because you know, like attracts like. So I I attract a lot of people who've been through a lot of the same scenarios that I have. And when you're starting over, you have to figure out what legacy you're wanting to leave behind, what tradition of circumstances you want to create for your for you and for your family moving forward. So we really tackle that at first before we get into the sales aspect, because you have to leave those doubts behind. You have to be able to build that confidence to be able to make decisions, commit to it and follow through in order for your sales to work. And then we tackle, you know, coming out of fear and choosing fear over faith, because when you communicate out of fear, you're reacting. And when you communicate out of faith and belief, you're responding to people. So we really work on that modality of communication and then we dive deep into the sales aspect and to the behind the scenes business aspects you know with the P&Ls and tracking your trends and being it how to sell how to have a sales conversation that's you know connecting because really that's all sales is it's connecting serving people helping them make a decision for themselves and empowering them to make that choice. So we really dive deep into that and it's a year long program. Um, We have tons of bonuses with it. You get a VIP day with me either in person or via, you know, via zoom or, you know, however you want to do it. You get four, you know, one-on-one coaching calls with me and I would love to be able to, you know, help you and serve you. So you can follow me on in my Facebook page, group that um, it's called the legacy builders community infinity infinity sales systems <laughs> um you can follow me there or amy woods um coaching on facebook awesome well amy i really appreciate you coming on the show today sharing about your story i love hearing like like we were talking about at the beginning hearing about people that have different journeys that aren't necessarily a, you know, I, I went to AA and I got sober and then, you know, here's my life. You kind of made your own path and, and found that coach and started rebuilding your life and, and finding those people that you needed to help you begin to grow and change and, and realize the, the potential that you had. And I'm so grateful that you came on and shared that with us and told us about your program that you're doing as well with the coaching. And I'm just so grateful we were finally able to get together and have this conversation. Me too. Me too. And I, let me say this real quick and then I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, you know, my way of doing it to stop those cravings might not be for anybody because I don't want to suggest that and somebody mm-hmm. try it and it puts them into a tailspin. If you know you can't, don't do it. That's really important to know and listen to yourself. Listen to that inner voice of saying, no, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't do it alone. Don't do this alone. You can't. Um, it's too widespread. Everything you do has it there. So don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. Never alone, never again. Amy, thank you again for coming on the show today. If you guys are interested in finding out more about Amy, be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. 
You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.